Hello. Welcome to Manhound Sound Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Wardlow. Really excited about kicking off season three. My guest today, Michael Moeller. He's a fantastic songwriter, a really nice guy, and he tells one hell of a good story. I had taken a bit of a break and hadn't done an episode in a while, and I just really enjoyed my time with Michael. We had a few beers, talked some music, told some stories, and he gave one hell of a good performance. He's got an EP coming out the same day as this podcast, so go over to wherever you get your music from and give that a listen. You'll be glad you did. Does anyone else miss old school used guitar shops? You know, the sort of place where you never know what you might find when you walk in the door. I know I sure did. And then I found one. Jam House Music at 4240 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road, Cincinnati, Ohio. They don't sell online. They're a brick and mortar only used guitar joint and they're proud of it. They do their best to keep their prices low. They offer more for your trades and they got an awesome inventory. Everything from that first guitar to the Les Paul or Paul Reed Smith that you dream about owning someday. So stop by and pay them a visit at 4240 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road or give them a call at 513-843-5139. Again, that's Jam House Music, where your sound is found. Without further ado, my interview with Michael Moeller. Hey, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going, Billy? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Glad to finally get you out here. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, been a few months since we started talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually uh, had, had spoken with your wife at one of your gigs. Okay. A couple of years ago, like right after I started the podcast. Really? And... and uh, Oh, I think I do yeah, remember that. And, she and, and we weren't able to get together at that point. But. Yeah, she mentioned she mentioned something that after that show, I can't remember what yeah, show it was. Yeah, you were playing over at uh, Sons of Toil, and uh, and you were playing, and I I couldn't stick around. Right. But, yeah. But yeah. I uh, I was trying to hook up with you then, but we all know how that goes. Yes, we're here now. <laughs> yes, it's very good. Yeah. Well, let's jump right into it. Sure. Uh, what got you started playing? Oh, uh, got started playing. Well, there was, um, I guess, my dad has always been a music guy. Uh, we, He had a record collection. Um, he always was, um, he never could play anything but the radio, which was, which was just fine for me. And we would always, like... Once every few months, we would always just open up his up his record co- collection and just tear through it and just listen to stuff. And um, that was when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten on up. And, nice. And I always loved music. I was always listening to something. 
and I was all I could memorize lyrics and I knew every word to all the songs on the radio when I was younger and um there was an old acoustic guitar real cheap um I don't even know what it would be I hate to stop you but I still can't remember lyrics for nothing. Really? Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I can't remember the lyrics to my own songs half the time. Well, some of the times that's the worst the worst lyrics to remember for me. I yeah. can I can remember more of you the You don't others. spend a lot of time listening back to your own right. stuff. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But there was a there was an acoustic guitar at the bottom of our stairs going into our basement underneath the stairwell and um just a cheap uh box guitar and I think I bought some strings uh, somewhere at a pawn shop, maybe. Bought some strings and strung it up and learned Smoke on the Water. As everyone does. The the riff of Smoke on the Water. I've since learned that if you actually try to learn Smoke on the Water, you're in for a treat because it's actually kind of tough song to learn all the whole way through Absolutely. they knew what they were doing but that opening riff obviously is a super simple but impactful riff so i learned how to play that and then i had a couple like stupid little licks that i would play uh and i think i bugged my parents and my my sister enough playing those things over and over on a crappy guitar to where uh, we were at a, ponch, or a, a flea market one day and we bought a Johnson three-quarter scale Strat that I still have and um, that was my first guitar. And ever since then, I just started playing what I want, just things that I wanted to play, Eric Clapton stuff, you know, all the all the things that you play when you first pick up a guitar, all the, all right. the uh, necessary licks and uh riffs of uh very popular songs everything that everyone everyone knows as soon as you start playing yeah what it is yes yeah. exactly so and then it was probably um that was when i was 11 12 somewhere around there when i was 13 14 years old um i I went in for my birthday. Me and my dad went halves on the Takamini guitar that I've had since since my 14th birthday or something like that. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I've had that ever since and played that for most of pretty That's much every nice gig. That's a nice guitar to have so young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was in, it wasn't anything special. It was like an $800 guitar. So me and my dad went halves on it. That's what uh, that's what Jerry Garcia always played. Really? Yep. Takamini. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, the it was it's a EG five thirty SC I think, but um, for some reason that guitar has always had some good mojo and special sound to it, plugged in coming through a PA. I've heard some Takaminis before that do not sound good coming through a PA and it might be they don't always have the greatest electronics right they were known for it early on because they were the first ones to do it and then everybody kind of caught up with them and then there was this lull and I think I caught this guitar right before the lull they didn't jump on the Fishman bandwagon like everyone else exactly and uh, Fishman kind of outperformed them for for a while but I think I got some. It's it's an older preamp on this guitar that um, is 
TK TK four, I think is what it's called, or TK seven, something like that. But it's it's an older out uh, outdated preamp, but it sounds uh, so good. It, that makes such a difference, and and most people don't even think about it. Even, yeah, even guitar players, that, right? That that know about guitars, they just think it's a don't tuner. Think about those. They yeah, just think they, it's an onboard tuner. They don't think tuner. about it being a preamp and being your whole sound. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's really what I love about the Taylors is that they have not only the piezo, but they also have a mic inside. Yeah. And you can blend those and, and really come up with a great sound. Sure. And that that expression system that they have is just phenomenal. Yes, it's it's very nice. Yeah. You can actually have those put in any guitar. Okay. You can send them off to uh, send any guitar to Taylor and and they'll put the expression system huh, in them. That's interesting. I've never yeah. I've never it's thought probably about that. pretty expensive. I'm guessing. But, I'd say. I mean, you know. But I mean, if you had a really nice older Martin that that you gigged with, sure, it, it would be. Yeah, it would be worth doing. It'd, it'd probably. be worth doing it. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be affordable enough to make that make sense, but uh, also. Yeah, they, they don't want to be doing it for everybody. <laughs> right, sure. a- absolutely. Yeah, especially when you're doing a, a brand that's not theirs. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, yeah. So, when did you when did you write your first song? When did you get into? Um, I think I was starting to write things. Um, you know, it, it's kind of weird. I I don't think I ever really had like this drive to write any songs for a while it was it was all explore through uh ultimateguitar.com like get as much uh chords down as possible and tr- try to figure out how to play wonderwall and try to figure out how to play what was on the radio at the time and so you're lucky you're a little younger than i am yeah and uh yeah growing up when i did it was we were just getting the internet so right yeah. So I I can remember trying to get tablature and and clicking on it and, and then waiting. coming back <laughs> six hours later so sure. I could so I could take a look at it and then thinking that's not the right thing <laughs> that's not how you play that at all <laughs> yeah yeah we we had my dad had owned a motorcycle shop so we kind of had broadband pretty early oh nice and not that it was all that great but it was still something better than just dial-up um but i mean i remember going through dial-up yeah. too but well i mean i was but yeah i was I'm probably sure you a were... sophomore junior in high school before we ever got a computer at yeah, the house so. right so yeah it was uh i i had been playing music for a very long time before yeah sure before i had a computer right you know i i was buying the cherry lane the Cherry Lane books. Yep. And so I know how to play all of Kill 'Em All on nice. the bass. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But yeah, uh, I think I wrote for my first song when I was sixteen, maybe fifteen, sixteen. I got got to a point where, okay, I've I've got certain chords down. I can I can switch around from them. I kind of have picked up a little bit of a pattern between some contemporary country songs at the time and, and things like that. And like, oh, okay, that was kind of what I was into other than like the classic rock stuff. So, yeah. I, I, now you say contemporary country songs. Of that time. When you were 16. Yeah. So what what are we talking? Uh, that was um, 2004, 2004, 2005. 
So you're looking at... Okay, so you're a lot younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're looking at probably like Chris Cagle, um, Alan Jackson, and... Um, no, I actually know Alan Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Cagle, I didn't know. Yeah, Chris Cagle, he was he was around for a while too. He was actually kind of on the end. I uh, do know who Chris Gaines is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was he was a little bit before that and he didn't last too long. No, he didn't. But yeah, Garth Brooks, of course, um and and kind of the the watermelon crawl, uh, Tracy Bird, that kind of stuff. So that yeah, was okay. that was that was kind of what I was into at the time. You know, there was um, that kind of Florida Georgia line hadn't really came out yet, but they were on the verge. So that like transition into bro country was in that in right, that time span, right. but it hadn't really hit yet. So, but but that kind of stuff is is what I was listening to. Yeah, I was in school in the in like the nineties. So. Okay. So it was Garth Brooks and 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 uh, Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Alan Jackson, Clint Black, uh, Clint Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was a punk rock kid, so I didn't really listen to none of that. Okay, but yeah, I know all of it. I know the words to all of it because I went to White Oak and right. They issued that stuff at the front door. Yeah, they played it over the PA system. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Right, but uh. But yeah, looking back on it, I, some really great music that I really just didn't pay any attention to at the time. Right. But, yeah. But looking back on it, there's some really great songs from that time. And, yeah. And and uh, that wasn't all that I was listening to. That was what was on the radio. But uh, you know, my dad, he made sure that I was I was getting a good education of music elsewhere from uh, yeah. fr- uh, from I'm him. A, I'm not a radio guy, so. Yeah. I prefer I I'm glad to hear when people are getting an a music education from somewhere besides the radio. Yeah, for because sure. money is not the most important thing here. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was getting like we would go on uh weekend trips to racetracks and stuff and, and we would listen to like the oh, band nice. the band like four C D sets. Um, like front to back, I would make sure we'd play all four CDs. Nice, you know, listen through all of it. Um, you know, now it doesn't get much better than that. I'd, I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> that in itself is a musical education. Right, the band is the band for a reason. Right, yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they didn't they didn't come up with that name to be pretentious. <laughs> yeah, no, they but. they meant it and 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 uh, they earned it. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to racetracks and stuff. Is was your dad yeah, a racer? My dad, my dad raced. So um, he owned a motorcycle shop, and um, he was into vintage uh, road racing. So there's not oh, a whole lot nice. of road racing courses around. There's one in Mansfield, Ohio, north of Columbus. Mid Ohio. Yeah, Mid Ohio. I got to take a uh, driver's course up there. Oh, that's for a awesome. Company I work for, and yeah. it was great. Yeah, that's a great yeah. track. Yeah, and so we would go to, like, mid-Ohio every year. We'd go to, um, like, the western edge of uh, Indi- or, uh, Indiana. We'd go down to um, Alabama. We'd go up to Michigan. So we so, were— So did he run, like, the Indianapolis road course, or— It was—no, he was at uh, a place called Putnam Park. Oh, okay. And yeah. it was—it's a sports car course— most like most of the time, but they would have a few weekends where it'd be yeah, bikes. Yeah, they run IMSA there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, 
I, I love no. racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I yeah. mean, so I, what do you, what do you, what car did he have? Oh, he was ro- road racing motorcycles. Motorcycles. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, uh, so he you was said vintage racing. I was yeah. thinking old Mustangs, right, and, sure. and Chargers and things. No, but. he 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 specialized in racing uh, Honda three fifties. CB three fifties, so around the early seventies, seventy one to oh, seventy four nice. so, range. So like the flat bikes, like like they were flat clear across. Um, these were these were kind of if you look at like a cafe racer now, it'd be a very similar look to a cafe oh, okay. racer because they're road racing. So it's so they're uh, hitting the corners. So they were a little more uh, dragging the knee and yeah. Back then, they were dragging the knee. Yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, you you climb off the seat long enough. Yeah, (laughs) you you climb off the seat far enough, you can drag a knee. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, not me. I I can't drag a knee. I'm not doing that. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, so pretty awesome. So what what was your first song? To get back to the point. Yeah, sure. The first song that I wrote was uh, was um, it's called Almost Kentucky. I wrote it with a buddy of mine uh, named Chase Ruslow. We were, I was, I was sitting in my house uh, by myself, and I came up with with uh, a first verse and a chorus, and then I went over to his his house later that night, and uh, we finished that song together. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun song to write, and it was one of those things where the song it's on my first EP, um, and it, it was all about like people that are that live south we'll just say south um this was definitely directed towards kentucky but like people who live south they they look at uh somebody that's coming from ohio and they think ah they can't be country you know whatever and you know, 16 17 year old minds are thinking this so <laughs> right, right. and uh so we just decided to write a write a song that was like you know we can we can be country too so in in a tongue in cheek way, we were almost so. I got almost a couple Kentucky. questions out of that answer. Yeah, um, you wrote your first song with someone else. Yeah, yeah. Was, How much was, do you do that? Um, I like co writing a lot. Um, through the last uh, six or seven years, I've enjoyed writing with other people. I think I ch- probably co write. I don't do it often um, out of time's sake, but I try to get, you know, four or five times a year at least that I'm and, that I'm working with somebody writing songs. Or and and something. how does that work? Co-writing is a very interesting beast in its own. Um, it Usually the people that I'm writing with, I know who they are. I've hung out with them or whatever yeah seen them play know who they are and um you go into it mutually coming in and saying do you have anything this is what i've got concept idea a line something and um you know you you just start brainstorming on stuff and it it people's people's own characters come out and and start meshing with each other and and you just try and figure out your best way through the song that you're so are you just like you come up with a riff and then yeah you're like here i got this one line but i don't know what to follow it right yeah it's usually 
when the way that I like to write is, you know, if I have an idea, a concept, something, um, I've I've learned learned to write towards towards the hook, write towards the subject that you're you're trying to convey. So all everything needs to kind of point to that, and um, you know, you you just start talking about what it is that you decide to, that you're going to write. So say somebody has a good line, okay, what does that line mean? We try and figure out what that means. What what do, where does that line fit? in the the thing that you want to say and then from there you just start you just start throwing stuff out just throwing spaghetti against the wall see if it sticks and and if it does it does if it doesn't it doesn't you just straight just start trying to beat every line that you that you're writing it's it's a it's a fun process how much how much rewrite do you do like how much do you go back and go well that can be better yeah it's it's interesting sometimes it depends on who it is with too um if you have somebody who you know if they love the song and they're gonna own it yeah as in like they're gonna that's the song that they want to perform all the time you kind of just have to say okay that was it even though and 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 even though you may see something that might be, uh, could be better or something, you have to make that decision whether you want to approach it as a change or not. Um, if it's for the better, you always want to at least throw it out there and, and see what they want to yeah, do with it. But yeah. if they're, you know, if if they were the artist in the room at that time, yeah. Um, I've had guys. I, I've had like noah smith yeah and and he does a lot of co-writes yeah i've written a few songs with him yeah and i've had jimmy klepper in who just writes song after song after song right and i himself yeah and, and i've talked to jimmy i want to i want to co-write with him yeah so uh, jimmy if you're listening i'm i'm coming for you <laughs> yeah i i would love to co-write a song with jimmy myself yeah that guy is so prolific yes that, and just Everything that comes out of his mouth is gold. Yeah, and and here's like the thing. I listen back to all those Funnies records, and all of it's great. Right, I can't believe that somebody's not snatched onto those he's, guys. Yet. He's an incredible lyricist, and yeah, he's he always he always finds that turn of phrase that that makes you go, "Damn it!" and not. And and it doesn't ever make you think uh, he was trying, like he was right. trying to to get a little yeah, too sharp or a little get it sounds forced. Forced, it's yeah. All, it's all so right off the tip, yeah, and just sounds like conversation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He there's never a time where he's like where where you think oh he tried a little too hard on this one. Right. You know. Right. Everything's yeah. no, so it's natural. All so natural. Yeah. And. And so original sounding. Yeah. Like that band itself. Oh, yeah. Just, I don't know another band that sounds like that. Yeah. And it's a little too poppy for me. Yeah. But you, it doesn't matter who you are. You've got to admit that those guys are just so good. Yeah. Just at the top of their level. Yep. Not to mention that I, I mention it on almost every podcast, but. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're they uh, they are something special for sure. Yeah. So let's take a break, okay, and listen to a song. What What do you have come up first? Pennsylvania Skies. Pennsylvania Skies. Yeah, that's uh, and, uh, a song. A song that I wrote. Um, had a conversation with a buddy of mine, 
who grew up in Pennsylvania. And he said that there's more bars in that area of the country than any other place in the country. And he said the reason for that is when it was coal mining country and way back before OSHA and stuff like that. When it's when you don't have OSHA, there's boss men that are taking risks at uh, the expense of lives of the workers that are working. And whenever there's casualties of of the industry, the family that was that was left without a without a head of household, they would have to figure out a way to make an income. One of the easiest ways to do that in that type of town would be to sell alcohol. So they would open a bar in their home. Oh, huh. And so many of those th- scenarios that's, happened. That's very strange from a place. I I don't know how many people that listen to this would know this, but right. you, you can't just go into a a gas station and buy beer there. Yeah, well, I mean, this would be... To, it's a specific beer store. Yeah. Like, it's very restrictive there. Yeah. It's, it's Well, this is, you know, 1800, stuff like that. Yeah. Back, yeah, back but, in... I mean, even today, though, you, you can't just go buy beer there. Right, <laughs> right. So the 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 finishing of that story is so many of those places ended up becoming permanent establishments getting their licensing and stuff and becoming bars okay so those ended up becoming bars family owned for so many generations or whatever nice so i heard that i heard that uh story and i thought man i'm i'm going to totally write some music to that and uh this is the song that came out of it yeah that's very cool well, let's have a listen. All right. Daddy took the digging in the coal mine Just as fast as he could take his first step off that train Work sure wasn't pleasant, only light was incandescent all the blood and the sweat made sense when each week he got his pay. Every night at dinner, after grace was said, he raised his glass high above his head. Now we came here for our freedom, to live in honest life. Only death will send us across the great divide. We'll send a prayer to Jesus But if I'm called to leave us Pay a bar and pay the bills Under Pennsylvania skies The mother met her husband in a bar room The house of a local fallen miner's son For two years she took his name Another two the children came Every day that passes, he moved cold by the ton. Every night at dinner, after grace was said, he'd raise his glass high above his head. Now we came here for our freedom, to live in on this life. Only death will send us across the great divide. Send a prayer to Jesus But if I'm called to leave us Pay a bar and pay the bills Under Pennsylvania skies 
I've been keeping this bar up and running for a year. It's been 15 months since the great collapse. Now mother cried that day. His father's life was swept away like the sunlight when that cloud of smoke painted that sky black. Every night at midnight when I call last round, I raise a glass and no one makes a sound. Now we came here for our freedom to live in all this life. Holy death will send us across the great divide. Send a prayer to Jesus But if I'm called to leave us May a bar and pay the bills Under Pennsylvania skies Yeah, may this bar and pay the bills Under Pennsylvania skies All right great song thanks man thank you i i really love the concept behind it yeah that's a that's pretty neat backstory yeah i i love a story song that that's something that uh i tend to write yeah a lot that's something i've gotten into in my latter years is is a good story Uh uh-huh um big bob dylan fan and Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's there's yeah. nothing like a good story song. Yeah, and and growing up, you know, the 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 bands that I was listening to, the songwriters that I was listening to that my John dad Prine. was showing me, yeah, John Prine. Uh I didn't I didn't run into John Prine until later. Um I he just wasn't on my dad's radar uh when it was kind of more contemporary, but uh, that, that guy tells the best stories. Oh, he does. He does. <laughs> Like I was, um, Gordon Lightfoot's one of my favorite oh, songwriters. Gordon Lightfoot's really good too. Yeah. And and I saw Gordon Lightfoot when I was like ten or twelve years old. Like really? I was, I was so amped that I was seeing Gordon Lightfoot, and the rest of the audience was like sixty years old. Yeah, right, <laughs> so, right. But but I was I was hanging on to every word that he was singing. So uh, that's the kind of stuff I was listening to, you know, growing up. So I would. I I went and seen uh, John Fogarty and. Uh... Willie Nelson. Oh man! And it was the same kind of deal. Like you look around, and everyone's forty years older than you. Sure. Are. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I I enjoy I enjoy that older older music, older ston- songs and stories. It just uh, well, there was there was things to tell stories about back then. Yeah. I I would guess that this generation will have much much more stories to tell than than my generation did. Yeah. There wasn't a lot. I mean, there was stuff going on, but there wasn't a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Not like today. Right. Not like 1969. Sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that... Yeah, conflict will create uh, reasons to tell stories and reasons yes. to, to uh, try to get messages, messages and opinions out uh in a, in a way that uh hopefully unites people or or uh shows shows disapproval or, or for or pisses them off yeah, yeah. shows disapproval for fine. certain judgments that are <laughs> happening yeah 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 hmm. so 
what's your process for writing? When you sit down to write a song, what... yeah. Process, um, it typically comes down to um, I'm I'm horrible at being diligent and dedicated to sitting down every day and writing. I'm horrible at doing that. Uh, that's something that I need to get better on. I'm sure you know plenty of songwriters. I tell myself on a regular basis, I need to get up and just just write. Write something. No matter what yeah. it is. I just need to write something, but I don't do it. Yeah. So so my, my process, um, I kind of tell myself that I'm writing when I'm thinking about things. So I, I do a lot of uh, thinking and listening to, to different things, listening to podcasts, just conversations in general. I'm always trying to harvest something, harvest uh, some sort of line, some sort of thought that somebody has or I have that. Do you write that stuff down as it yes. as, as you come across it? Yes. Or? So if I if I <clears throat> sorry if I'm in a um, a conversation that a line comes up, I have a I have a place in my phone that I'll I'll throw that line or concept down and um when then i'll start forming ideas around that concept so if it's a good enough concept i'll just start thinking about it a lot and i'll just it just starts hooking me and on a drive i'll just start thinking rattling some some thoughts off and lines and eventually i've got something um semi-solid as a concept and then when I sit down to write, I will be able to ex- just let it all out, then try and try and uh, form something that makes sense. You've been thinking till there ain't nothing left to thunk. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so then, then it's time to put it in place, put yeah. things in its right place and in right timeline of the story or the the thought that I want to get across. Again, it's all about writing. Right. What What does it mean? What does the song mean? What does the line mean? What does the hook mean? If it's you know, if I've got a a, a title of the song, what does that mean? How am I gonna use that in the song? Is it gonna be the last the last line of the chorus? And and if so, how does everything in that song point right back to that? So, right. so now, all those. Now, do you ever have? Lines that don't mean anything? Um, I don't know. Because it just fits? I, I can't say that I've, I've just thrown something in there just to fill a space. Um, I am, I'm pretty intentional when it comes to that stuff. Um, I will put, something down to start to fill a space but i won't leave it um if i'm if i'm halfway through a verse and i i'm stuck on the third line and there's eight lines you know if i already got a seed headed towards the next lines you know i'll i'll throw something in there that makes maybe no sense at all but it's something to write down or type in to just 
say, okay, you've at least completed that line enough to move forward and can can finish your right. thought. Right. At but, least where you can go back and yeah, play it. Go back and beat it. And, yeah. and find a way to make it be better than what that but, line but was. But you've, you've never come to a point where you couldn't better that line, so you just left it? If that's the case, then I'm confident that that's the, the line that I'm supposed to have. Yeah. But uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that I've ever th- had a throwaway line that I've kept. Yeah. I I love Jack Johnson as a as a songwriter. Yeah, and he ended up with a song that was da 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 da. Right. Da 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 da. Right. Exactly. And that was totally meant to be written in as actual words. As and words, yeah. and it never he n- never could come sure. up with anything. So when it comes time to record it, that's what went down. Yeah, and and I, and that's the kind of stuff too. You don't know what's going to impact people. Um, it should first be impacting to you, and if if nothing could beat that, then ultimately that was what was supposed to be there. Right. And he wasn't wrong for just leaving that well, throwaway line. What a great song. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, that song made a lot of money. It made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, he's he he, he yeah. paid off a couple houses, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. At least bought a few surfboards. Well. Maybe one house. He does live in Hawaii, so... Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, do you ever deal with writer's block? Yeah. Uh, there's just periods where I don't write. There's just periods where I don't write. I just think that... I don't necessarily call it writer's block. There was a time where I might have called it writer's block before or have gotten discouraged in in not writing. Uh, or not being able to have start filling lines in on a blank page, right? But I think that that kind of stuff you just kind of have to get over yourself in in those situations and just say if if I don't have anything to say, I need to just say something, and it's gonna suck and just get past that. Like and then you yeah. just write something down, and then and then uh, try and try and find a word or a, a rhyme even that you're writing that makes a lot of sense and you can use that later on. There's not necessarily a, a point where I'm like, writer's block is is killing me. I I haven't written in you know six months. That just means that I'm I'm listening to a lot of different things in my head. I'm I'm listening to a lot. I'm I'm taking. So you do I'm have those in. periods of time where you're not yeah, writing anything yeah. for long and, periods. But. And there's times where I don't need to be writing things because I'm working towards a certain goal, like yeah. working up to this record release. You know, I I didn't have time uh, to to put devote towards writing because I needed to be mixing a song. Or I needed right. to be um, finding out who's going to be opening the show or whatever. Like all those different pieces needed to be focused on before writing did because I was releasing a, a, a group of five songs that were already written. 
So not to so, say that writing wasn't important, but it wasn't as important as making something else happen. So since you brought it up, what yeah. what was that like? What what was sitting down to mix an EP like? Ah, daunting. Because um, I had never done anything like that before. So yeah, to be... About, well, at some point, everybody sits down to mix their first song, so... Yeah. You know, Bob Clearmountain never mixed a song sure, until he right, did. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think... I think the it, there was there was daunting in my head, but there was also a curiosity and probably a false sense of confidence of uh, I know I know enough that I can move some faders around, turn some knobs, see what happens. Yeah. Um, the trick is not to do too much. Sure, it <laughs> is, and and I think um, I've I've had a lot of of great people around me that I've been able to bounce bounce ideas off of and and send them horrible mixes and and say i need help i i need feedback give me the the honest truth cut this down to nothing because i can't get better if i don't if if i don't hear what you're hearing right and and luckily there's been great people that have that have done that yeah to well, you had told me earlier you had recorded it at Noah's place. Yes, yeah. yeah, at Noah's, and uh, and, and he's one of the ones. That guy has a wonderful ear. Yes, he's he's one of the ones that I'll send I'll send um, anything that I'm working on. Typically, uh, at least before I release anything, it from a from a major release standpoint, I'll I'll send to him because I know me and him have built enough relationship over the last eight years, nine years that, uh, we're, we're going to tell each other exactly what we think yeah, and, and not in a way that's going to, uh, not in a way that's out to hurt them, but it's out to better, I, better the product, I better whatever that, it is. I found that Noah's good about that with just about anybody. Yeah, he like, is. He's, and he's, he's got a, <clears throat> he's got a great ear for stuff and, and a, and a great insight on how this business works. Yes. And, and if you're not doing it right, he'll tell you without being an ass about it. Right. He's, he's, yeah, he's very good about saying, hey, this is a better way to do this. Yeah, he's very empathetic to to people who are, are less experienced. And uh, when you build a relationship with him, you know that when you send something to him, you're going to get you're gonna get the truth that uh, you don't probably want to hear, but yeah. you you need to hear your your ego. Your ego needs to die when you hear that kind of stuff. Right, right. And uh, it's been it's been really great to to have that because I've grown a ton because of him. So, yeah. how many times did you remix it? Um, that's kind of a that's kind of a weird weird. Uh, answer for me because I don't know if I've ever really kept track. I've got um, a, a few songs I've got a couple different sessions and then there was times where I'd get you know three or four bounces or five or six bounces of this song down you know I'd bounce it out and listen to it and then I'd just tear it all down and just start from zero again 
I don't think I did that. There's one song that I think I did that three or four times. But other than that, I think it was one of the first songs that I did was three or four times I did that. Other than that, it's been one or two times that I've gone through a song. Uh, the last song that I mixed, um, I had one pass at it, and it actually came out good. Yeah. And then I went back and just tweaked a couple things, just just touched up a couple things. But I I typically can can get a mix in one shot. Yeah. When it comes to mastering it, I'll go back and touch it again. Yeah. And I, I prefer to mix it in the mixing process or to fix it in the mixing process. Sure. Rather than fixing it through mastering and being on mastering my own stuff. Right. That's, yeah. It's, I, I can go back and <clears throat> and turn down that bass a little bit instead right. of EQing it down. Yeah. And, and I, I look at all those remixing pieces as just more time in the seat, more time uh, listening to things because I was very much uh i've i've done none of that before you know i've i've so, recorded myself in my bedroom you know in the studio in my home studio for work tapes and things like that but i've never sat down with a full band even my just acoustic and and voice to release something yeah. so so going into that process i counted you know, all the times that I would tear it down to zero and start from scratch, I counted that as a win anyways because I learned not to do something. Right. Yeah, I learned I and I learned to stop. <laughs> That's yeah. another thing is yeah. learning to stop when you're too far well, out. And, and sometimes the best thing to do is just push everything back to zero and yep. start over. Yeah. It's uh if if you're headed down the wrong track, it's yep. not always it's not always worth continuing. With. Correct. Yeah. And uh, so you haven't sent those out to mastering yet? No, those are so those are happening um, this weekend. Um, I literally finished up last night. This is uh, the end of February. So finished up last night and um, so sending have it. have it mastered and out within a month. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, the the guy Chris Harding that um, that I've I have mastering it he is he's been expecting these to come at some point so I don't want to say his turnaround times like days because <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't I don't want people to get the wrong idea but he's been expecting these mixes to come uh, come for a little bit now so yeah. I've been in contact with him and and we've gotten. We've gotten a date set, so yeah, I'm. You'll uh, have to get back with me. I, I want to know how much he touched it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And and I can't wait to to listen to it. I yeah, haven't had yeah, a chance I'm, to listen to it. So. I'm excited. Um, I I look forward to it because, I I think I think he's a, a wizard, anyways, and and I well, I'm there's like glad. a black magic to mastering. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad he's the one that's going to be doing it for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's always nice to see what a master, how much a mastering engineer has to, has to get in there and mess with things. Yes, yeah. You know, because so, sometimes they, they don't. Right. Sometimes yeah. they slap a limiter on it and maybe do one EQ move and, and it was that good. But. Yeah, I'm expecting him to have to do, 
a considerable amount being this is my first group of songs that I've ever done together. So um, I spent some time last night listening through all of them in one pass. And um, then I did make a, a slight change in one because one was not like the others just treatment wise. So I needed yeah. to needed to adjust it a little bit. But uh, I think... So th- this is a full band record. Yes. Yeah. So who played drums? So uh, Joe uh, Joe Klein, but he he's known as Joe Rico. He he played drums. This was recorded in 2017. Okay. So I've been sitting on these tracks for a while. Nice. But, but Joe Joe Rico, <clears throat> excuse me, Joe Rico played drums, um, and then uh, I had. Matthew Simpson, Matthew Douglas Simpson. He's a uh, Northern Kentucky, Cynthiana guy. The bass player is uh, John Marcus, and um, it's a funny story. When it, John Marcus is a Nashville bass player, and <clears throat> he played bass for Tim McGraw for he was his road guy for for years, nice. like fifteen twenty years. Um, it's this electric bass on the whole electric thing? bass, yeah. And um, so we got hooked up with him because we were, I was playing in Noah's band at the time, and and we played a place in in Middle Tennessee in Murph, uh, not Murfreesboro, uh, McMinnville, and Noah had him sub in for a gig, and didn't know anything about the guy other than he answered a classified ad on like Nashville Gig Finder Facebook page. There's so and many. Yeah. Amazing musicians oh, yeah. in Nashville. It's not even funny. It's stupid. So yeah. so this guy shows up and he tells us like, yeah, I like this is ten minutes before going on stage with us. Yeah, I I played bass for Tim McGraw and that I was in the dance hall doctors. Yeah, like nice. And this was Tim McGraw's like up the the years that he was massive. And not that he's not massive now, but his his whole climb. Right, right. These right. guys were on it. And John John played bass for him, and um, we played that show, and he was masterful. So um, John played bass um, on Noah's record, The Long Cut, and um, great record. Yeah, by the it's way. a great record. It's a great record. And um, and then John played uh, bass on my record. Super simple to work with, you know. Sending the sending the files. Yeah, he, yeah. I had I had a scratch vocal, a scratch acoustic, the drum tracks, and then he sent back a, yeah. a Jack, killer Jack White bass. moved down to Nashville for that very reason. Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, you know, he he walks into the studio to record to record that day and and has no idea who's going to be on the session. Yeah, he just he knows just says, that, "I need a bass player. I need a piano player. I need a." a Whatever, whatever he needs that day. Yeah, and he knows and that somebody puts out put, somebody in. puts out some calls and they show up an hour later. Yeah, and so it, it's it's amazing the amount of talent in Nashville. Yeah, and it's amazing that anybody ever gets found down there. <laughs> That's true. You know, there there's so much good music and and so many talented people down there. It's just amazing that anybody, yeah, is ever heard of. Right. And then I I do want to say uh, on one one of the songs I had uh, John McGuire he's a local Cincinnati Cincinnati cat 
he uh he played guitar on uh one of the songs as well just just i needed something a little bit more than what it was so i called yeah. him up and he offered to he offered to do that's it that's so. a great thing about studio sessions is yeah. you can always pull in that extra guy that's and... right just send it send and he he's a i i trust what he does he he does his thing really well so yeah you know send him something and turn him loose and mix it right in so how long did you actually record this record so the the recording process was only uh so the the drum session was a couple of days and then that was back in 2017 and then over the next couple of years um we kind of overdubbed guitar and vocals uh and then my acoustic guitar and vocals and then we had a, a guitar session i think two different sessions of electric guitar and then just those flown in remote bass tracks so overall like it was it was a very quick recording piece yeah to re to record it it didn't take a whole lot of time it was the dead space in between but right but uh and then i've I've but done just a, several sessions over yeah yeah three years or so yeah I think I think I was finished with the tracks yeah by by 2020 I was finished with the tracks yeah. and and that was you, a, you just don't hear a lot of a lot about that around here uh-huh uh, of people using studio musicians and having stuff flown in from right from someplace else and, yeah and remote sessions sure and things like that and uh I think that's an important thing that that some guys around here would really uh benefit from. Yeah, yeah, if you have the if you have the connections and you know the know the people and they they're set up relatively well, you know, you can you can send yeah. files back and forth from right. anywhere and in the like world. Like I said, there's so much talent in Nashville and everybody has a recording session in, or a recording studio yeah, in Nashville. Yeah. You know, everybody can do a session out of their house. Sure. In Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I think I think John Marcus, I don't think he has anything special. I think he probably has a two-track interface. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, I think when he when he was working on our stuff, or my stuff, uh, he he was kind of figuring it out still. S some things were a little hot. Not that it was clipping or anything, but you know, a little hotter than what you would normally send send to somebody else. But right, uh, like they work just fine and and they sound great. He's killer player. That's that, <laughs> that's the most important part. Right, performances are awesome and performances are are everything. Yeah, everything else can be fixed. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh let's take a break and listen to another song. Awesome. What what was it you had played second the second song is uh my biggest fear and this is a song that um i just kind of had this was this was kind of the song the the style of writing that i that I do most is i have this concept i have this this line my biggest fear and that that jumps out at me right away it's like okay what does that mean what is that so many questions start going off so just answering those questions and and telling the story through that yeah nice 
Well, let's have a listen. Awesome. Biggest fear is leaving here without you by my side. Nothing but a prayer to pray, one more last goodbye. If you weren't there, I can swear I'd fight to stay alive. fears leaving here without you by my side my biggest goal is growing old with your hand in my hand years of music ain't nothing to it with you as my biggest fan we'll both dream Win and lose as a team We'll take off and we'll end My biggest goal is growing old Your hand in my Is holding on to love We've gone through trials and walked the miles More than we dreamed of With your big heart it's such a part Of his from up above Accomplishment is holding on to love. I used to sit and I used to wish on any star that was there. Without any thought.
great tune. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So when when is this album coming out? The the record is going to be released April 1st. Okay. So I always follow that with no joke. It's going to be <laughs> April 1st. And then uh, we're having our record release show um, April 2nd, Southgate House Revival down in Newport um, in the Revival Room upstairs. So uh, beautiful room. I love that space. Real small, intimate intimate room. I've not been upstairs. Yeah, it's. I think uh, standing room capacity is like 130. Yeah, so I love that venue. Though. Yeah, the, the the sanctuary is amazing. Yeah, it sounds great in there. That's a it's a beautiful, beautiful building for sure. And then the that room is incredible. Nice, can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm. I've got. Uh, some some buddies that uh play music around town um quite a bit they're they're gonna play with me um actually matthew douglas simpson who cut the electric guitars on the record he's gonna play with me got uh matt hoffman playing drums and then i've got dan crest playing bass for me nice yeah for that night That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be uh first time in a long time to to have a band behind me. I, I released my first record. It's so different. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Uh it's a lot of work for me to not play the songs like I've been playing them acoustically. Because <laughs> yeah. 'cause I have my own way of playing the songs. So I I charted out the charted out the songs a couple weeks ago and sent it to the guys and um you know it's it it's just as much for me as it is for them it, they're gonna they're gonna learn the songs and i'm gonna learn the songs all over it's also difficult to to learn how to stay out of the way when you're used to playing by yourself yeah yeah trust in trust in their their pushing yeah. it yeah yeah it, it's it's real important to stay out of the way it's not what you play it's what you don't play yeah for sure yeah, that's it is uh, something that I'll I'll definitely have to get used to. Um, not having to carry it all. Yeah. From from moving from acoustic or from a solo thing to to the full band. So speaking of which, what bands have you been in the, in the past? So I've only <clears throat> excuse me. I've only been in uh, one other band. Um, I've just been, I've just played with Noah Smith for probably from 2000, I can never remember when I started, maybe 2013, 2013 or 14, all the way up until 2020, uh, no, 21, yeah, 2021 is when, uh, I decided to, um, take a step back, we had a, a son and, and wanted to put more put more time into into this record and and the next set of songs that that I have written. So um, yeah, up until twenty twenty one is when when I was playing with him. So and it it was a great experience. I I was clueless heading into <laughs> into that band. I was I was a young kid 
that knew how to play guitar and knew how to sing cover songs and had a couple of songs of my own when I when I first started playing with them and figured out or learned from learned from Noah how to actually be a musician, how to actually be a um a working musician in town and and uh operate the the small business that is a music yeah. <laughs> a music band and right but Noah Noah operates a little differently than than most of the musicians I yes. know around here. Yeah. It's it's impressive to watch. Yeah, yeah. I I I loved getting that um experience and in that education because it's it's informed me in the way that I've communicated with the band that I'm having play the record release show. I it it I I have certain expectations um that I'm, you know, presenting and and uh just it it's more the it's not necessarily even the expectations that I have set for other people, it's the expectations that I set for myself to serve those people who are joining me on stage. Yeah. It's all it's all about making their lives the most the easiest that it can be for them coming on stage with me and that that's the way that Noah operated yeah that, that's a huge difference yeah knowing what to put out there what information you need to you need to give yeah band settings are are difficult yes <laughs> to say the least sure and, uh, it, it it works out so much better when when there's someone there at the helm that, right that knows what information to hand out and, yeah and how to drive the bus, so sure. to say. Sure, definitely. Yeah, Noah, Noah's really good about driving the bus. He he always had a vision. He still does have a vision. <laughs> I, yeah. I say that's past yeah, tense. Absolutely. He's still got a vision. And, uh, you know, he's he ebbs and flows and adjusts as he, as he needs yeah. to. But, yeah, he's... And he's not afraid to share that information. Not at all. You can actually uh, go on. I know he's got a... Is it a Patreon that he's got set up that's uh, so where he, he's teaching artists how to do things? Yeah, so it's I think it's called the Long Cut Mindset. Uh, it's yeah, it's a, it's a coaching coaching like a platform. coaching yeah yeah exactly. So, so he does he does uh, coaching of basically how to be a how to be um, a working musician. Yeah, I, I haven't giving, had a chance to check it out, but I, I would go ahead and recommend it because <laughs> yeah. no one knows what he's talking about. One hundred percent. I, I think, I got that education. Like I, I, I was the one of the ones that has been around him for eight years and in the trenches, and and I got that education that he's offering to people, and and I couldn't recommend it more. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's such a wealth of knowledge. He's been he's been in the music business longer than I've been playing music, <laughs> and I started playing some sort of music when I was in fifth grade. Right, <laughs> well, right. maybe he hasn't been in that long, but like for the most part, he's been in the music business yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and doing well in it. It's, it's oh yeah, not, yeah. He's, he's not just in, he's not just been playing music all yeah. this time he's, he's been, been successful doing doing well yeah so you had mentioned uh, 
you had mentioned before, and I meant to hit on it, and I didn't. Uh, your previous EP, yeah. Um, what recordings do you have out? Yeah, so I just have that that one uh, other EP. Um, it's a self titled EP. I released it in two thousand fourteen. Um, it's a it's a six song EP, five song studio recorded, and then the last song we were trying to make it a, a ghost track, but uh, digital age is is not good for the, <laughs> right. the old school ghost tracks. So we have a sixth track on there that's a cell phone recording at a at a campfire that I had had a had a recording of this song and and uh, it turned out good enough to just throw on as an extra treat. Nice at the end of the end of the record. Yeah, uh, Neil Young's "Sugar Mountain." Yeah. Was a was a live cut from from a small bar someplace, yeah. and you can actually hear the compression on it, where they've compressed the hell out of it, so you can hear everything. Right. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I I always thought that was really neat. You can you can hear the compression and and just the hiss of sure of of where they recorded it. Yeah, and, and how it was not meant to be <laughs> on a record, but right. But yeah. it turned out as as what I would consider one of his better songs. Hey, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's memorable if if nothing else because yeah. it's so special, it's because it's so unique. And I I I love that song too and and it's it's one of those things where I the performance isn't necessarily like mind-blowing or anything, but it is it is a raw performance of that song and yeah. and I love it because of that. So, you can find that on Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, and... iTunes, Amazon, all sorts of wherever wherever you get music, it's there. Um, YouTube as well. Nice, and I'm guessing the new record will be out on. Yeah, all those all those April first on all those platforms. Yep. and will there be CDs there at the show? There will be. That's the that's the plan. So as long as mastering makes sense and and we get it out on time, it should nice. be what. What uh, duplication house do you use? I I use CD Baby for my first first record, so that's the easiest. It's the one that I know right okay. now. So it's so that's to get it out on the digital platform. Do you use CD Baby as well to make as the, the CDs and yeah. yeah yeah okay do the do the art or I've got somebody doing the artwork, but but you know pressing yeah. it and yeah. packaging it. And you're also going through the digital realm through CD. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So, and and that's like I said, it's it's something that I know right now. So there's no reason to change it with this kind of short term yeah. thing. But as as far as, as moving forward, I've always used DistroKid. Yeah. They don't do like the hard copy uh-huh. stuff, but uh, I use uh, John Hart for. Yeah, for, for sure. Hard copy stuff. He yeah. does uh, duplication and okay. I and I didn't like know that. that he did but, uh, duplication stuff. But yeah, I've 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 always used DistroKid. It's been really, really easy for me and really. It, it's a kind of a seamless process. Sure. And, yeah. And, the uh, last time I, that I, I used CD Baby, it was it was kind of that same way. Um, there was only one mistake, and it was mine. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing that you can put out. A record that can be heard all over the world, yeah, so easily now, yeah. When twenty, 
30 years ago you couldn't right you couldn't even think about putting out a record like that oh no not at all i i you know you you were lucky if you could put together a record that that you could release locally sure you certainly wasn't going to get it anywhere <laughs> else than your hometown yeah yeah, and, uh, it's 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 incredible. It's a really neat thing to to turn on your computer and see that somebody's listening to you in the Philippines. Yep, yep. Philippines. I get some India and um, Italy and uh, you know South uh, South Africa every now and then. Yeah. yeah. So it's it is wild. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a it's a neat feeling. Yeah, for sure. So. How do you find the time to write? Um, I know you got a you got a new family. Yeah, and uh, yeah, finding the time to write's tricky. Um, kind of whenever whenever I have the free moment, whenever I have the concept that I want to write, I'll I'll write, and then there's times where. Uh, I can't not write. So whatever it is that I'm doing, I end up stopping and, and writing down whatever is on my mind. Um, you know, there's times at work that I'll, that I'll be doing something and it'll hit and I'll pull up a Word document or whatever, Google Doc, and just start typing it out or, or penning something down on graph paper or something, so... It's nice to have a job where you can do that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very, it is very nice, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing my job well at times. Right, but, right. Uh, but it, the ability to have a, a piece of paper and you know my phone too, I can, I can jot down whatever it is that I need to jot down, whether it's coherent or makes sense at all. It 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 can. It can that can work it work itself out later. Right, right. But, uh, but yeah, it's getting down the ideas. The yeah, important part. Getting it down. So when I find the time, it's it's um, after the kid goes to bed, um, and even you know the last the last year or so, I've had times where I've written, but the last year or so has been focused on getting this record out. And, and focus on learning how to get a record out like this or learning how to mix. So yeah, I never really have concerned myself with writing so much at the moment. And I think I'm, I'm really excited to be able to put this away privately and be able to give it publicly. It, it, and it, then It's and a then, really good feeling once you get it released and yeah. you just kind of go... <sighs> yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to just put it all down and say that's it for this yeah I, it's done it's it's recorded it's it's a record now now i get to explore again because it's not to say that i haven't been exploring but it, yeah I've, I've got a lot more freedom now that i don't have a big task hanging over yeah. my head like a record release well you get kind of a kind of a clean slate right you've got all these songs that you've been playing for a while and and then you work so hard to get them out, and once they're out, they're out. You yeah. don't have to work on them anymore. Right. That's, I just get to play them at shows it. at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's now time to come up with some new stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. And I've got. I mean this this record was recorded in 2017. I've been I was 
for a while I'd been writing a lot because I wasn't necessarily focused on this record. So I've I've got a backlog of songs that need to be recorded still. So and yeah. I'm I'm excited to start recording and start releasing, you know, singles and and see my first EP I put out, I I had no experience at all yeah. with recording. I bought an interface and a computer and I was like, I'm gonna record a record. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh I, I really didn't have anybody to bounce off of. I I got on YouTube and and figured it out the best I could. Yep. And the drums are over compressed and <laughs> And uh, <laughs> there's lots of problems with it. Sure. When, I, when I listen back to it, it 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 even kind of bothers me sometimes. Of course, yeah. But uh, but I got it out. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it was a great experience. To, yeah. To do that, the second one went much better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm hoping to put out a third one here soon. Yeah. And, and that's uh, awesome. Looking to do something a little bit different with this next one. Cool. And uh, kind of work with with a lot of different people instead of just just the core group that I've been working with. Sure, yeah. So, uh, well, I'm I'm always available. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, going back, what what are your influences in the past? Where where did all this come from? Yeah. I, I I know you talked about your dad and listening to records and stuff. Yep. And you talked a little bit about the band and yeah, the band, and a couple guys. But Gordon what Mike are Flint. your core influences that really you listen to and you go, oh, yeah, that's that's what I need to do? Yeah. Um, like most songwriters, I think um, the standard is set with John Prine. So I, <laughs> I I can't disagree with that at all. <laughs> so I think I heard, I heard I think Jason Isbell say I'm just trying to do my best impression of John Prine. So like that that to me sums it up as far as like where the bar's set and and what you have to to reach for. Yeah. Um, because I I yeah. My to, only hope is someday somebody will say, well, that was kind of like John Prine. Right. Of course. <laughs> that that you, you know. That's one of the best compliments. Yeah is, yeah. is if you can get something like that. I so, had I had the good fortune of of catching John Prine. Oh wow. Only once, and I was at Bonnaroo. Yeah. In, in Tennessee, and. So Bonnaroo goes on for like four days. Sure. And there's like ten stages. Yeah. Twenty four seven music and yeah. stuff going on constantly. So. So, you kind of look at the schedule and go, okay, you figure out what you're gonna miss, right? Be- because you can't catch everything. So I remember looking at the schedule and and I can't remember it. It was uh, Jack Johnson, I believe. My wife was like, Jack Johnson's playing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, John John Prine's playing at that time, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but but Jack Johnson's playing, right? So, so she went to see Jack Johnson, and I went to see John Prine. That's a good choice. Yeah, I, no there was no Jack way Johnson, I was but... not going to go see John Prine. That, yeah. It was there. There's no way. It's the only chance I ever got to see him, and and I'm glad I went. Yeah. So, as I watched the show, you know, it was just John Prine for a while, and 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 he played a good set. And uh, and then he says, uh, I was down at Nashville and giving a giving an interview, and and I ran into some friends of mine, so I I brought them out to play with me. Here's a uh, old Crow Medicine show. Yeah. 
So they played the second half of the set as his backup band. That's beautiful. <laughs> and and then toward the end of the show, he goes, I, I ran into another friend of mine while I was down here. I just want to welcome Chris Christofferson. Oh, man. It was the greatest set I've ever seen, ever. Yeah. <laughs> it was just everything I ever dreamed of a John Prine set being. Sure, and, yeah. And, uh, and I'm glad I got to do it. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Chris Christopherson. He's he's one that you know I believe is one of the best songwriters out there. Absolutely, he, he's written so many great songs, and his writing is so sophisticated. Um, and that, the the thing about Christopherson is it it doesn't come off as well. He because of it, he's not the greatest singer. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and Brian wasn't he's either. He's very no, but he's he. It, I don't. I don't know. There's not what a really... lot of melody to Chris Christopherson. Sure, it, it's yeah. very flat. The writing is so good. Yeah, though. yeah, I, I I'll agree with that. Yeah, and it's yeah, he's a he's a songwriter's songwriter. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. People who who are but I I songs. think hands down he's written some of the best songs ever written. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so John Bryan, Chris Christopherson, those are those are two great influences. Uh, I said Gordon Lightfoot earlier. Um, I really all these first three are story story guys. That that to yeah. me that to me makes a good song is the story behind it. Not to say that people can't write a song with zero story and it be good. It happens but every for, day. for 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 <laughs> me. For me, it's it's uh, it's all about a story. Um, Chris Knight is a guy out of uh, Kentucky. He incredible songwriter that um, I I got really into, and when I started playing music, and I think he influenced my my songwriting quite a bit. Um, he's from super rural Kentucky and he writes super rural um murder ballads and things like that. Oh wow. But he's also a good enough songwriter that he writes uh I, I love those Appalachian murder ballads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you can't go wrong with that. But he he's he's found his way into you know a Blake Shelton cut and other other places that he, you know, he's a bona fide songwriter too, not just a not just a Appalachian guy. Yeah. Um, Justin Towns Earl is one that I wore out CDs of. Um, he's uh, just incredible, incredible songwriter. He's he was uh, troubled, and you know that that conflict creates a lot of a lot of. Uh, emotion that yeah. creates good songs and unfortunately it got the best of him but you yeah. know Towns Van Zandt as well I, I, oh, yeah. I was a huge yeah. Towns Van I mean Van Justin Towns Earl's named yeah. after Towns right, Van right, Zandt yeah. so but yeah Towns is great Guy Clark um, Guy Clark is one that I I've loved for a long time a Texas songwriter and I just I love the sophistication of of Guy Clark's stuff, and then an uh, offshoot from Guy Clark is uh, Jack Ingram, who he had 
some country pop hits early on early 2000s but he's he's a texas staple and and a an incredible songwriter and just i i love listening to a good jack ingram song yeah so yeah those are those are contemporary uh contemporary uh influences for sure and i i grew up listening to a lot of different things too so i i'm not i love folk music i love country music but i i love off the wall stuff and you know frank zappa and yeah and listen to oh what's the uh les claypool band what's his primus primus yeah primus and all that kind of goofy stuff yeah yeah, I I seen uh, Captain Claypool's bucket of. I I can't even oh, remember yeah. the name of the yeah, band. Yeah, I remember I, I seeing them the down marquee. at Bonnaroo as yeah. well, and that, it it was uh, it was interesting. Yeah, I saw Primus at a at a festival. No, yeah, that was really really yeah. great. Do you know Todd Snyder? Oh, are, are okay. You... So I, that, <laughs> I I feel very bad for not mentioning Todd Snyder. So uh, the reason it come up is is. I I was at a all good music festival in okay. West Virginia. Yeah. And uh we were camped like two mountains away. So when we went down to the stage, we took everything with us sure, and yeah. stayed there for the day cuz yeah. it was a nightmare to get back and forth. Right. So Buckethead played. Okay. I had never seen Buckethead before. That was very interesting. Sure. It, it was uh enlightening i'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah i really knew nothing about him but yeah, yeah it was very enlightening yeah <laughs> interesting yeah so they had two stages going on buckethead played the main stage and then and then primus was coming up next which was what i was really there to see at yeah. that at that point in time and uh so on the second stage todd snyder come out yeah. and uh while while primus was setting up and he played an hour and a half set, and I bet you he he did four songs. Yep. Yeah. It, and you talk told about the greatest stories in between. Yeah. It, it just blew me away, and I've been an adamant fan since. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Matt Matt Simpson turned turned me on to uh, Todd Snyder. I had seen some stuff early on. Well, not early on. He's been around for a long time, but uh, I had seen some stuff kind of stumbled upon it myself but then uh when i met matt simpson and he he kind of said you need to you need to listen to this record it's a storyteller record yeah. and I, uh, I had heard uh beer run yeah and kind of written him off as a goofball and right and uh and then later on after seeing him i i delve into the catalog sure. and oh my god that guy can write a song yeah and and Beer Run, as much as it is a funny kind of, you know, comic kind of song. It's so well written. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. You can't find a bad line in it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's. Yeah, it's really he's, well done. I, I saw him. He Every year he comes to uh, Oakley. What's the theater in Oakley? The little theater right there. Uh, the Madison? The Madison, Madison Theater? Yes, I think so. Yeah. No. No. 
it's not the Madison 20th century, 20th century. Yeah, yeah 20th century theater 20th century yeah. yes it, yeah. it's it's off of Madison yes <laughs> yeah so 20th century he comes to the 20th century every year this year he's actually showing up at the Madison in Covington oh yeah the the big theater and um I'll have to go yeah go check that out yeah and I really wanted to catch him with the uh, Oh, what's the name of the band? The, the the Great Americans or the shit? What is it? Hardworking Americans. Hardworking Americans. Yes. Yeah, I I really wanted to go catch that and I didn't get a yeah. chance to, and I was really disappointed. But. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's special. He's a special guy. Yes. And and songwriting wise, yeah, he he inspires me. I actually am working on a song right now. I've I've written about half of it, three quarters of it that. Uh, is very Todd Snyder esque when it comes to yeah. syllables in a line that you're kind of just talking it through. One one line's just a syllable mess, yeah. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> have uh, have you heard if tomorrow never comes? Yes. and the story along yes, with it, of it's course. so great. Well, I mean, I, I highly recommend. Run. I highly recommend that. Yeah, anybody anybody listening. out there look up on YouTube Todd Snyder's story on uh if tomorrow never comes yeah it's it's, it's wonderful <laughs> yeah and if anybody was con- confused about when when billy said uh beer run and and thought george jones and garth brooks it'll all make sense after you listen yeah yeah because <laughs> i wrote that song too man right <laughs> yeah so let's take another break and uh listen to one more song what yeah, this this next song is the title track to the the EP coming out. It's called "Can't See the Stars," and um, I was sitting outside at my place one night at a bonfire. I usually tend to fall asleep at a bonfire at my place um, in the in the folding chair, and I was just looking up at the stars before I fell asleep. And um, I I'm out far enough away from the country or from the city. But I, that I started thinking about the the poor folks that are in the city that aren't getting to see the stars, the stars that are yeah. that are up there because of uh, all the. It's all something the you don't really think about when you live out here right. outside of the city. Yeah, that, that all that disappears with the city lights and it all goes away. And uh, I just I just started thinking about that concept and and wrote down this song and uh, in 2019 or 2018 something like that. Uh, Jason Isbell released uh, the Nashville Sound, and he had a line in there said, uh, "Can't see the stars from the neon lights." And I and I knew I I knew I had a good yeah uh, concept if he's if he's on it too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no doubt. So yeah, this is "Can't See the Stars." Nice. Cloud of dust from behind your parents Volkswagen A three-hour drive to start your Hollywood dreams Downtown apartment and some classes for acting You've realized it's different than what you had believed the air is thick and foggy in the summer. The 
wind will knock you down on the sidewalk when it's cold you've made some friends but to you they are just silver when you left you lost touch with the ones that you call gold but you've gotten pretty used to those five dollar cab rides walking downtown to all the hip new bars every now and then you know it hurts you on those nights when you look up and you can't see the stars now you call home more often than you did before trying to keep up on all the hometown happenings every day that passes well you know there's so much more than a crowded city building where you can't get much sleep but you've gotten pretty used to those five dollar cab rides walking downtown all the hip new bars every now and then you know it hurts you on those nights when you look up and you can't see the stars everybody learns at one point or another you can fight your heart on where it wants to be so you sit and wait for your father and your mother to pull up in that Volkswagen that you're so glad to see. It feels so good to go on a Sunday afternoon drive, passing the only rundown hometown bar. There's nothing next to knowing where you'll spend your whole life when you look up and you can see the stars. There's nothing next to knowing where you'll spend your whole life when you look up and you can see the stars. Right. Great song. Thank you. That was the uh title track. Title track yeah. to to the new new record coming out April 1st. Yes. And uh when when is the release show? It's April 1st. April 2nd. April 2nd. Yeah, so Friday is April 1st and then April 2nd will be Saturday at the Southgate House. And that's Southgate House Revival in in Covent in Newport. Newport. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um you got any openers or anything yeah, for the show? Yeah, I have show? just one opener. Um, it's The Poor Hours is who's going to open it, and that's Zach Rowe and uh, Jenna Rowe. So they're a um, husband and, and wife duo. Uh, Zach has played guitar for so many different people around town. He was in uh, Arlo McKinley's band for a bit. Oh, Arlo and, was great. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so they're, they're opening the show. They're such a great uh 
folk folk uh just beautiful harmonies and and zach plays uh great guitar great harmonica so yeah yeah hell yeah yeah I'm, i'm excited to have those guys open the show that'll be great yeah so around town who is your favorite local bands oh man uh, artist. Yeah, sure. I mean, Noah and and Jimmy, see you in the funnies and Sunday dries. Like those guys are so so incredible. That seems to be the common answer yeah, around I, here. Yeah, I mean, and they really are all yeah, that. They're, they're really good, and and they're friends. They're, they're, that's the cool part about it is I get to yeah. call those people friends and. and and such good people too. Yes, I mean, I mean, they're all, yeah, all of them are are really open and yeah, and just easy to talk to. And yep, yeah, five hundred miles to Memphis, another great band that are incredible guys. I don't know though. Yeah, look look those guys up. Five hundred miles to Memphis. It's, uh, they're local. Yeah, yeah, they're local. They've been they've been around for a long long time. Um, they were, they got, they got like a blip, um, um, with like Nitro Circus or something on MTV. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, just, they're an incredible band. I, I love each one of those guys. They're, they're so, so nice, so gracious. Uh, we've played a couple shows with them when I was playing with Noah. Um, you know, Veronica Grimm. She's she's an incredible artist. Um, Maria Corelli and like Joe Mascherette with Joe Truck Stop, like those guys. Uh, Maria is an incredible artist, songwriter, hell of a guitar player, like flat picking acoustic guitar player. She can outpick most uh, most guitar players in the city, really? hands down. And uh, Joe Mascherette and Joe's Truck Stop. He is an incredible fiddle player and writes such great songs. So yeah, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of uh, music in in Cincinnati that uh, deserve great. yeah. You tons brought of up recognition. some new ones that I I'm not I'm not familiar with. So yeah, that's yeah. great. Buffalo Wobs and the Price Hill Hustle. Those guys are incredible too. What a great name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a, a mouthful, but it's it's a good yeah. mouthful. What's your what's your favorite venues around town? I love the Southgate House. Southgate House is in, uh, just the staple, I think, for, for most people. It's yeah. the staple. Yeah, um, great venue. Good people there. Yeah. Yeah. And let's see. What else would be a good, good place? I mean, the um, Big Ash Brewery has been a great place for... Uh, songwriters Noah's done the crew to circus there it's been a great place for yeah I for, haven't made it out there yeah, but you need yeah to make it I, I, I keep seeing shows out there that I need to make it out there for yeah so. and big ash if it's a it's a I I always say <clears throat> most places think about music after they've built the facility or after they've moved right, in right big ash did not big they, ash was said we're gonna be a brewery with music and from the beginning, they did everything right to make sure music was a part of the the atmosphere. So they did not miss on sound system, uh, sound console, you know, sounds sound personnel. 
Like they always have a sound guy there, so like they do a great nice. job of actually serving. What the about musicians. the rooms? How's the rooms? The room's like? great. They they actually do a beer garden thing in the summertime, so yeah. they have an external or an outside um, stage that they do. Oh, uh, yeah, that's always great, great. Yeah, it's awesome. And then inside, it's a really great room um, with a really great sound system. It's it's small. It's nice and intimate. Probably, yeah. If you do a standing, is old, it wooden? Is uh, it, is yeah. It, yeah, it's it's mostly wooden, and then they've got uh, actually they've got removable like padded panels for like sound treatment. Oh, nice! And and really they, nice. They build walls and take walls down for certain yeah. certain things. So they did a good job. Nice. Yeah, and then to see a to see a show, I love the Taft. Uh, the Taft Ballroom was a, is always I'm a cool. A, I'm a huge fan of the ballroom. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's a neat. It's a neat place to go see I, a I've show. I've not been to the theater. I, I really, really wanted to go see Chris Cornell there. Oh yeah, and uh, I didn't. Yeah, and I'm thought to myself, "Well, now. I'll, I'll, I'll go next. Catch time. him the next time." Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, I saw. Uh, I saw Chris Christopherson there at the oh, Taft Theater. Man, and yeah, talk about a great show. Yeah. I've saw, been to the ballroom a few times though, yeah. and and. That's a great venue. Yeah, it's a cool space. Yeah, it's a. It's it a sounds really cool good space. in there too. It does. Yeah, yeah, for for a basement, it sounds really good. Yeah, I mean they put carpet all over the place, so yeah. so it's it's got a a natural uh, uh, down sound deadening in it a little bit. So yeah, yeah, it feels really good, and um, you know the, uh, we know I know the the engineer that set up the pnc pavilion and then did the rose theater and i, I love the pavilion yeah i i am yeah. not a big fan of of riverbend but yeah i love pnc pavilion yeah so kevin pike runs runs sound he's the house engineer for the pavilion and uh he modeled off of the pavilion to do the rose theater helped with that and then he's also working I think he worked with the 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 Brady Theater that just opened up in yeah. town, so he's I think he's a, also the house engineer there too. Oh so, wow! So like, he's an incredible. Kevin Pike is one of the best engineers in town, and uh, and I I love basically anywhere he's mixing. I love he's he's mixed at the yeah. Ludlow Garage yeah. before, and that's a cool. Well, space. I always wonder when I'm at PNC, how does it sound so good in here? Yeah, because the whole thing is right. concrete. I mean, yeah. you're firing sound right into concrete, but yeah. it sounds great in there. It every does. time I've ever been there, they just have it. They have it tuned right. And, yeah, and I think Kevin Kevin's worked on it quite a bit to to make uh, it sound good. It, it, there's not a bad seat in the house. No, it's, not at all. It, it's just a really great place to go see a show. Yeah, I saw Goo Goo Dolls and Michelle Branch there like ten years ago. And it oh, was nice, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I caught a, a Dirty Dozen brass band Ooh, there that yeah. was just amazing. <laughs> I did see Dwight Yoakam and Jason Isbell there, too, which was, that was a show. Uh, yeah, I, I would think they would play the bigger. I think River it was, band. I think it was right before Jason, like, really took off. It was after Southeastern, so he was already up there. But Cincinnati's not necessarily a market for Jason Isbell. Yeah. To to host a a big show, I think I don't know why, but hmm. he's gonna he's gonna. Cincinnati's s- a strange place. Yeah, yeah, it is. 
It's a, you know, Metallica does a lot of their uh, filming in Cincinnati when they come. Really? Because the crowds are crazy. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, you <laughs> know, I, I went to see uh, the Pixies. Oh, yeah. Was it last summer? Summer before? Went to see the Pixies. Was so excited. I get there and I'm looking at the stage and and the Pixies drum set set up and I'm like, what's going on? Why? It was the Pixies and Weezer and I'm thinking, why? Why would the Pixies be opening up for Weezer? Right. This makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but it's Cincinnati. Sure. You know, in other places, Weezer did open up for Pixies. Right. It, it was just depending on where they were at. Yeah. But the market. But, uh, yeah, it just blew my mind. It made no sense to me. Yeah. And I, I still don't understand it because the Pixies destroyed them. Sure. It was amazing. Yeah. But most people didn't realize that in, <sighs> in the crowd. Not. I, I was I was kind of excited when I when I found out Weezer was playing with them, you know. Yeah, I, sure. I yeah. had never seen Weezer. And, right. And, you know, that They're, was about the time I was in high school when those guys were big. And I was like. They're cool, man. This ought to be really cool. Yeah. There were so many tracks used. Yeah. And I'm just not. I, I, I don't. You're impartial to tracks. I, so. I, I don't like to hear background vocals where there's no one there to sing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're I, a useful I, tool when I, used I, correctly. Right. But I, I really think that. Uh, I think the lead vocal was probably the only thing that wasn't a backing track. Yeah. yeah. Now they did they did play um that Africa song. Oh yeah. And uh and there was no backing tracks used on it, I don't think. Oh wow. And, That's uh, cool. And and they sounded great. Yeah. But I just don't know why. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially following up the Pixies who were obviously playing everything live. Yeah, and, sure. And uh and yeah, I don't know. It's just my, just my quirks, I guess. Right, sure, <laughs> sure. But uh, I I got one more question. Yeah, and uh, we'll call we'll call it a night. Okay. Um, wh- what's the best song you've written? Oh, that's. It's so, always the hard one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't like. I think it's the it's the one thing that artists always shy away from or songwriters shy away from is you don't want to say something that you've done is great, you know? Yeah. Uh you you're always you want to deflect that. Well, I always find that uh that artists don't think the song that they pick is not the same song that is the popular song? Oh that, yeah, that I would people assume. recognize or 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 it is the song they think of right when they think of that artist. Yeah, I would assume that that happens more times than not. Is the songwriter's favorite song might not necessarily be the song that impacts everybody else uh, because it typically typically if the songwriter loves it, it means that the the song was written just for them, or at least in the first place it was written for them. And some songs 
are written for other people or written to just get out there. Um, I I find that I find the songs that just kind of flow out and you don't really think about too much. Yeah, are are the more popular what 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 people tend move to gravitate toward, toward, yeah, that yeah. gravitate toward. Yeah, yeah, and and where a songwriter will go. Well, I I work really hard on this. Sure, <laughs> you yeah. know, I spent three years writing this song. Right. Yeah, so there's there's a couple songs that that I have that are that are f- they're favorites of mine. They're they're ones that I enjoy playing quite a bit. Um, there's one that I wrote last year called Blue Silk Shorts, um, and I think that's the title until I actually release it and I solidify <laughs> the title. It's but the I'm, title at least for the next yeah, month. <laughs> yeah, the working title is is Blue Silk Shorts and. Is that going to be on the? On, it's not going to be on, on this the, record. Oh no, no, okay. no. So it's it's unrecorded at the moment. But uh, that one and a song called "Fallow Ground," which is not on the new record either. Um, two songs that I think I worked really hard at putting together, and they took a long time to come come together. Um, the process of thinking about them and finding the concept that made a lot of sense. It was, it was those types, those two songs really took time and, uh, made me be patient in writing those songs. It was not something that I was just going to sit down at a blank page, write the title at the top of the, page and and just go okay we're writing this today this took these these songs took a couple of years to actually get to a point where i was even comfortable writing it down (laughs) so yeah so i think and like you said they're the ones that you worked hardest on so i think i think those two or the the latest thing yeah of course that's (laughs) always the thing too is is the the most recent thing is always the coolest thing that you've ever done so yeah but yeah, I I think those, I I don't know if they would be my favorite songs just because I don't know if I want to say they're my favorite. But I I re, I definitely enjoyed the process of being patient and and not forcing those and getting the outcome correct for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always really rewarding. Yes, much more rewarding than sitting down and in 10 minutes writing a three-minute song. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of those that are really cool, too. Yeah, um, yeah. The one that's on my first record. I've called... had a few that's popped up that way, and I'm... I'm. It's awesome when that happens, yeah. but it's hard to think about those as, as really good work when you know it was so easy. Yeah, and... And I I I appreciate those types of songs too because I tend to learn from them after the fact. I learn I learn more after I'm playing them for a few years. And say, oh yeah, this isn't exactly this isn't at all what I was writing about, but this right. is what it's speaking to me right now. About. Right, yeah. right. It it comes out different much later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's funny how how certain songs and certain lines that were Almost, almost throwaways that actually end up being the biggest impacting yeah. parts. Or you look back at how it's put together and go, oh, 
look how I did that. Yeah, yeah. I was not <laughs> even expecting it to work out that way, and yeah. or, or it's yeah. totally opposite of what I was yeah, thinking. You think about it later down the road, and you're like, "Oh, that's such a complicated thing." But yeah, it just happened. Right. Yeah. So, it, there's, I I love I love my songs, and and I don't I don't uh, look at them too too preciously but but i enjoy all the different ways of of writing the songs and and putting them on the paper and releasing them out into the world and performing them live and it's a a very satisfying thing to have them out there and yeah for sure yeah finishing a song is a it's a wonderful thing and and a and a real accomplishment yeah yeah after i finished after i finished those mixes i i sat in silence for a good 15 20 minutes just reflecting on the work that had been done and didn't want to be bothered <laughs> i yeah. just i just wanted yeah, to so- soak it up nice glass of scotch and <laughs> yep yep pop dad's moonshine yeah and, and yeah yeah that's the way to do it yep soak it in yep all right well, well it's cool. been great having you well thanks for having um, me tell everybody where they can find you yeah so um my website is michaelmolermusic.com um you can find me on facebook instagram uh that's kind of all that i use really youtube um all that can be found at my website but Michael Moeller Music on facebook and instagram um and i believe youtube as well how do places book you? Um, usually I'm searching up them. So right, anybody right. who wants to book me, uh, go to my website. I actually have a booking, uh, kind of a booking section on there. Oh, so nice. so uh, anybody who wants to get a hold of me can get a hold of me there. Are you available for house shows and of things course, like that? yeah, yes. house concerts, house shows, house parties. I can I can uh, I can fit needs. I actually played a. Uh, a when uh jimmy buffett got canceled 2020 a friend of mine had a a buffett bash at their place and then they decided to do a second one and i got invited to play that one this past year so i think i'll be a regular at the buffett bash (laughs) from now on so yeah that kind of stuff i'm i'm always open to that's a good gig yeah yeah huh yeah so yeah April April second is the is the release show. Bar Mitzvahs. I yeah I I'm not I'm not impartial. I'll if anybody anybody needs me to play something I'll I'll be there. Yeah yeah. <laughs> okay great. Well thanks for coming out. Yeah I, I, really, I really appreciate, appreciate you having me. I really appreciate you coming out. Yeah I know it's a long way out here and. Uh, and, it's it's uh, it's I, about I always, as half as far as most people are traveling for uh, me. So <laughs> I, I always appreciate everybody coming out, and and I really appreciate the the live music and uh, and the little concert I get to yeah of course get to hear each yeah. time. I, and, I enjoy uh, these and good conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And, thank uh, you. Have a good one. Yeah. You too. Thanks for sticking around till the end. Don't forget to go check out Michael's new EP, Can't See the Stars, wherever you get your music from. Also, please run down and see our friends at Jam House Music. And if you've got any gear you want to get rid of, 
They've got great consignment fees. If you'd like to discuss the show or book some studio time, you can get a hold of us at manhoundsound at gmail.com. Again, I'm your host, Bill Wardlow. This has been Manhound Sound Sessions.